Earth podcast with your host, Jake Weaver, engineered by Cedric Swan. Hey, everybody, we're back with another episode of Midnight on Earth. I'm your host, Jake Weaver, and we're here to bring you more knowledge, more light, and more love. Yet again, every guest is incredible. It's hard to say who's more incredible. Is anyone more incredible than the next person? I don't know. We have another incredible guest. His name is Zach Schwartz. We're going to talk about how we're archangels in training and so many other profound topics. But first, I need you to do something for me. Go to bluecobracbd.com. That is bluecobracbd.com. And there you will find Blue Cobra CBD oil, the highest quality CBD oil available for purchase on the market, period. Why is that? I tell you this every episode. If you haven't heard already, I'll tell you again. The extraction method, how they get the CBD out of the hemp, the cannabis plant matter, and into this oil is a proprietary method that was developed by a man named Howard Hitt, a.k.a. Big H, and it is called the Hitt Extraction Method. So no one else has it. It's just Howard. It involves no chemicals, no solvents, no gases, nothing unnatural was used in the extraction of the CBD from the hemp. The entire product is 100% organic. The hemp that was used for the extraction is 100% organic Oregon grown hemp. There really isn't anything uh, like this product on the market. Again, as I keep saying, completely unique. We have a Midnight on Earth Blue Cobra CBD discount code. If you plug this code that I'm about to give you into the box at checkout, you get free shipping. And here's the code. M-I-D-C-B-D. That's M-I-D-C-B-D. Plug that in and you will get free shipping on any order in the Continental 48 United States. And there is a money-back guarantee. If you're unhappy with the product, you can keep the product. You do not have to give back the product. You can get a full refund, including your shipping. You can give it to your neighbor. You can give it to your pets. Howard's working on a CBD pet product that we're going to talk about fairly soon. And if you have any problems ordering, go ahead and email him at bluecobracbd at gmail.com. Or call him at the number that's listed on the bluecobracbd.com website. So again, if you could please go check out this incredible CBD oil that I take daily. I put it in my shake in the morning because it's edible. It's topical. You can put it on your body, in your body. You can do all these things. It's incredibly amazing products. Like I said, there is nothing else like it out there in the ocean of CBD products, bluecobracbd.com. And if you could, please follow us on Instagram at midnight underscore on underscore earth. 
That is the address. You go there, click the follow button. Then you know what's going on. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you go to get your podcasts, click the button that connects us so you'll always be aware of exactly what's happening. And the most important thing, as I always say, is to tell a friend. Tell someone that you know that loves these type of podcasts, that these concepts that we talk about, I always say it's not about me, it's about the guests, the messages, the information these guests need to get out there. If you know people that are into those things, tell them about us. Midnightonearth.com. Okay, we told you about Blue Cobra CBD. We did our social media shout out. And now we are going to talk to Zach Schwartz. I'm here in his office by his incredible graciousness. I'm so grateful for his generosity. I'm here in his office in Eugene, Oregon. I'm going to read his bio really quick. Here we go. Zach Schwartz, PhD, works as a psychologist in private practice in Lane County, specializing in intervention skills, relationship skills, chemical dependency, nonviolent intervention, and facilitates dynamic interaction skills workshops. Zach is served as clinical supervisor to Lane County Substance Abuse Treatment Programs and has worked clinically in this specialty since 1974. All right, thank you. Zach helped design and implement several level one and two CD treatment programs, both in Lane County government and in the Oregon state correctional system. His dynamic interaction skills programs have been used nationwide and adapted to effectively train staff for business industry, special events and security teams. Zach has authored three books, including Changing Anger, an Archangel Training Manual, and his latest release, Effective Humanistic Intervention. Since 1973, Zach has lived and worked in Eugene, Oregon, and like I said, I'm here with him in his office in Eugene, and thank you so much, Zach, for letting me do this. So we're here to talk today about really we're going to focus on one of his three books, the Archangel Training Manual, which I highly recommend everyone go and check out. It's on his website, dynskills.com, and I'll remind you at the end, but check this book out because it talks about a perspective that we all need to tap into, a way of thinking, a way of understanding our place in reality currently as humans. I want to talk about that. It's called the school of life. Zach, what is the school of life? Well, I thought, what do we take from this life? What matters? What's important to us? What has value in, in a lasting way across eons, across centuries, across whatever? Because whether something's big or small, any situation in my life, anything that I have, you know, is it, is it important that my truck is running, anything. Um, I can make that a big deal, means a 
why don't I have a lot of tension about it? Or I can make it a little deal. I'm just a speck living on a grain of sand and I'm not keeping the truck anyway. Um, uh, so so uh, I can arbitrarily adjust the relative size of something and its emotional effect on me. But and, and, and it gets me more in touch with my soul in some ways. I can talk about what I mean by soul later. Um, uh, to remember to make things small. The more upset I get, the more involved I get in the drama of my life and on the earth, the more I tend to blow things up. They get bigger, more important. Oh, my God, you can't do that. Oh, the truck's got to run. Uh, but if I make it smaller, I'm left with the question of what is valuable. What is the purpose? Just because I make it small doesn't mean I stop caring about it. It means I care for a different reason. And that's part of these strategies of living in the school of life. But in your book, you're saying we're archangels in training in the school of life. Yes. Uh, and that was a metaphor. But trying to evolve ourselves to a higher level of functioning, to a higher level of existing, that's a goal that matters. Yes. Everybody is, all of us and all of the things around us, are made of both energy and matter, correct? Correct. And so that goes back and forth. The things that are matter are, are, uh, go away in time. Uh, matter doesn't stay stable. But the energy that we're made of is forever. Right. And so I'm made of atoms, but I'm also made of quanta, which are little units of energy. Right. So once they figured that out, they started studying energy, you know, since everything's made of it. And the study of energy is called quantum physics. Correct. So what did they learn that affects me as a psychologist the most? And what they learned is that, A, the energy is eternal. So the light that you're made of is here forever. The atoms come and go. But the light is... It's the same light that made the dinosaurs, that made the Big Bang, that made... Billions of years old. It's, it's been eternal. forever, right? And it's eternal. keeps going. It moves, it changes, but it doesn't die. Um, so my ego, say, that's my material self. That's, my, that's what manifested from the energy at this particular moment in time and place, time and space. But, but the light that I'm made of has always been here. The second thing they figured out, and this is the trippiest one, is that those little quanta we're talking about are aware. They have consciousness. They're watching Jake and Zach interact, like, and they're learning from it. And and they don't ask you to take that on faith, which is what I love about the quantum physics stuff. They say, here's the math, read it. Right. And the math looks pretty good. And so the little <laughs> quanta are conscious, and they're eternal. And they communicate with each other. Quanta that are presently in Zach, some of them, the Australians, are also talking with the ones in, say, Jake on 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 a unconscious or subconscious level, maybe to my ego, but they're communicating all the time. And when, and if you take, and this is a, a one law as I understand it in quantum physics, if you take two of those quanta once they function together like they're both part of uh, jake's nose if you then separate them by 10 galaxies in ten thousand years when you spin one the other one instantly spins like they're in touch forever 
Yes, quantum so entanglement. Connection, quantum entanglement. Right. So the yes. universe you might look at as, as a quantum field, and it's all entangled, and and that doesn't stop, and that's forever. So the quanta, the energy, the light, however you would call that, is constantly learning from watching us. Oh, that, and so evolution is something we talk about on the show is evolution is happening in all dimensions. You could say like the growth, the learning, the change. It's not static. Yeah, simultaneously yeah. with us, these external dimensions, astral sure. dimensions, they're not static. They're not stationary as some people might believe. But in fact, because the observations happening, new information is being created. And that can only be meaning that there's forward movement. There's learning. There's new information. There's growth. In yes. all dimensions. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible <laughs> to think about. And I believe the, the quanta <laughs> can, what they call in some spiritual books, um, um, can uh, manifest at the speed of thought, move things from energy <sighs> to matter and back yes. again. So any kind of change is possible. The one thing the quanta, I believe, won't mess with is free will. Sometimes you wish they would a little bit, right? Of course. <laughs> but every time I ask the energy to intervene arbitrarily, it smiles and laughs and says, no can do. And in the book, you talk about asking the energy, you actually give it a, a an initial CR, which means conscious representative. Yeah. Right? And that's what you're talking about right now is when you go within. This is an incredible part of your book is that there's this dialogue not just with the reader and the author, but there's also this dialogue with you and what you call this conscious representative, which... Uh, which you could think of as part of God or yes. part of the light. or part of, It's part of what we all are. Yes, which gives you this intuitive information, which helps you sure. grow. That was one of the great, thing of, great things about the book. But yes, go ahead. So when I wake up in the morning... Creator's representative. I'm sorry. Creator's representative. When I, that's okay. The other one will also do. <laughs> but but when I wake up in the morning, what's automatic is that I work up as Zach. Zach is my ego. That's that's who I am from birth to death. That's who I am on the earth. And I think of waking up in the morning as rejoining the drama, as stepping onto the stage, being on the earth again, being Zach. That happens automatic. But the awareness I have as quanta. I have to bring that awareness to Zach. That doesn't happen automatic. That's why I do a morning ritual. So when I wake up, doesn't take only takes a minute, but I got to do something that wakes up what I would call my soul or the energy awareness in me. So I don't just get lost in the drama being Zach. Right. You wake up in the morning, maybe something uh, makes you grumpy or but the last thing I say, <laughs> and this is recent, the last thing I say in my morning ritual is let the ego choose what the soul suggests. So the soul only suggests. I can always get information. I can always get an opinion. But the free will belongs to Zach. And so I want my, and when my ego chooses in harmony with what the soul suggests, because it can only suggest it can't mess with free will, or it won't, um, then uh, that sort of partly guides my day. You know, if I find a wallet on the street with 500 bucks in it and I need 500 to make my rent this month, for example, I look at my soul. The soul says, return the wallet with the money. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, that but was the an ego, easy one. The ego's like, but, the but, ego's but, but, I got to pay the rent. <laughs> and the soul says, 
It's entirely up to you. Do what you want. Yes. Um, uh, the soul has ultimate patience. You know, if this takes another 10,000 or 100,000 years, so be it. Right. Uh, I can wait. But you can evolve faster if you start listening now. Um, Love will wait forever. Isn't that interesting? Because it is an illusion, you would say. You talk about it being both the Buddhist concept of Maya, but it's even more than that. It really is a school. But is it the divine paradox, like the hermeticists say, that is, it's both real and unreal at the same time? So while you're here in this school, what you do does create karma and it has effect. It's not like a, a, a video game, but... At the same I time, I think karma is what you still need to learn. Yes, we whatever were talking you, about whatever that. you finish this incarnation as Jake, whatever you need to complete your education is included in what's coming up in your next incarnation. With what the energy does to evolve into matter again will contain those lessons you haven't mastered yet. Right. So that's how I think about karma. It's not. It's not. It's not uh, a punishment or a reward or or justice. It's about continuing my education. Right. But it is uh, uh, rooted in cause and effect. Uh, the the education sure. might continue because of a deficiency in understanding. Right. But a deficiency, she would indicate something you haven't learned yet. Yes. Exactly. So then, boom, goes so in the karma back. Right. <laughs> But so, so the soul says, you know, you can learn it now or you can learn it later. It's entirely up to you. <laughs> Are we in an illusion, though? Is this a complete illusion? Is it uh, a kind of a transitory dimension that's half illusion, half real? Well, it's, what do you it's think hard about to this say, but, but if you, as a philosophy professor of mine when I was an undergraduate, said uh, uh, reality is a five sense hallucination. You're right. So, you know, if everything <laughs> tells you that this pen is here, then it is. <laughs> and right. that's not absolute. We don't know if it's really a fan or not. We don't know if it's on Mars or not. We don't know if we're hallucinating. But as long as all indications are that it's here, we're going to play it as it's here. And that's a shared reality. And it is our agreed reality. But we can't change that, right? Like we can, as individuals, first develop ourselves personally, get ourselves centered. And then as we contribute to the greater consciousness, we can shape it in a we way. We are shaping kind of, it. Right. But we can kind of get control of how we're shaping it now and shape yeah, it to the way That's interesting. And the, uh, there was a uh, uh, autobiography of a yogi. Have you read that? Of course. Yes. Yeah. Love it. Classic. Classic. Reading from the, <laughs> the, uh, oh, it's a great book. But they talked about uh, physical and astral and causal beings, causal beings, I think can make the kind of changes you're talking about. They can change energy to matter at right. the speed of thought. But do I want, does this ego Zach want that power right now? I don't think that would be a good idea. Yeah. I have a lot more to learn, <laughs> but there is in skills and concepts before I get to a place where I can consciously do that. But there uh, is a, a, a co-creative experience that we're all contributing to. And, and even if we're aware of it or conscious of it or unconscious of it, it's still happening. Right. So if we can, everything we do say and be uh, automatically feeds the evolution of the yes. of, of the reality created by the energy. So, yes, and uh, you also talk about uh, transpersonal psychology, which is something I want to tell people about. It's an incredible concept. Uh, if you if you look at history and systems, which you only would if you're a graduate student, but I did. But if you look at history and systems and psychology, you know, uh -huh. history and what schools of thought came down over time. Yes. The first was psychoanalytic. That was Freudian, get at your subconscious stuff and 
free associate and work out your conflicts from your childhood. That was the first school of psychology. The second was behaviorism. Yes. So it's not about what's in your head. It's all about what you do. What we see is behavior, classical conditioning, operant conditioning. Um, uh, that's the second school. Still useful for some mechanisms in some ways. So is the analytic. They don't go away. But that was the second school of thought. The third was humanism. That was in the 50s and 60s that started. Uh, on becoming a person, self-actualization, uh, being a, a healthy ego, um, um, uh, acting in a way that you were feeling good of or proud of or didn't have conflicts, uh, working those things out as a whole human being. The whole is more than the sum of the parts. That was all humanistic psychology. And the fourth school, and the last one that I know of, is the transpersonal school, which is beyond a healthy ego, where do we fit into the universe? Like, what is our soul about? What is the greater good for, for all energy? Um, how do we uh, fit our mo some of our motivation and our power and, our, and what we learn in that direction um, and working together as part of the greater whole? Yeah, and, and that's transpersonal integration, psychology. Integration, you're saying. Mm -hmm. I, I did write down what was in your book, which, of again, I'm going to encourage everyone to check out those books. But uh, transpersonal psychology encourages self-development to the point of enlightenment and connection with all beings and energy. The manner in which you think, feel, and act not only defines you and gives value to your experiences, but also maximizes your ability to contribute to the positive development of your community, world, and universe. So there you go. That's, wow. I thought that was so beautiful. Yeah, I would say that. In fact, I did say that. <laughs> I think it was in your book. It's funny. When you read that, I agree with it. <laughs> like, that sounds so perfect. <laughs> but that's true because this is the integration. You know, we talk about different rituals and, you know, jam band rituals. We have episodes about the jam band rituals and, and what people get from psychedelic experiences, you know. The next step is the integration. You have these transitory experiences that help you grow as an individual, and then you integrate that concept of transpersonal psychology where you're then... How does this contribute to the universe? How, how, yes, how can sure. I help? Right? Yeah, yeah. As Ram Dass would say, how can I help? How can right? I help? That's a Ram Dass quote. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we used to go hear Ram Dass speak and he would, and it, like at Eugene South High School a couple of times and like that. <sighs> and he, and everybody, as he was speaking, everybody in the audience would be nodding like the agreement and they could see it. And feel it. And he, at one moment he said, you know... It, I see a lot of you nodding out there. If you already know all this, why did you come here? <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and we as an audience kind of said, you know, because we ate, it's a chance to commune. We get to yeah. see each other. It's not and, just you. And people love affirmations. Right. Affirmations reinforce what you've learned. Sure. You hear it again. You can hear it a thousand times. The more times you hear it, the better. Yeah. No way. So it wakes up that part of me. I get higher being there than not being there. That's good. Well, speaking of Rondos, he was definitely an archangel in training, and he's there as an archangel now on the other side, I believe. But how are we, how should we, and how could we raise our vibration to tap into those angelic frequencies, to become more like the angel? So each moment of the day, I have a chance to practice exactly that. Because if I, what I'll tell people in a practical or, or uh, sort of earthbound way is ground is a higher priority than process or content. Uh, so contents, whatever we're talking about, like we're making this pod show right now, 
more important to having an uh, uh, educational experience for my soul is how we treat each other, Jake and Zach, while we're doing this. Right. That's process. And then how grounded are we? That's each of us. So ground comes first. If I'm not feeling grounded, I'll say, stop the tape. <laughs> Give me a second. Yeah. Bring myself back to center. Bring my soul and ego to each thing that I'm doing. Um, I want them to work together. Right. That's an interesting point. So you, you want to bring your soul and your ego together in each thing that you're doing. That's washing my teeth, washing a dish. It doesn't matter what. Because it's easy in the ritual or in the repetitive uh, daily rituals that we do go to work. Some people, you know, you get up, you brush your teeth. It's kind of hard to, to stay conscious, that. to wake that up. Yeah. That's that morning ritual. And then it comes into grounding before I do anything all day. If my kids would come to me and, and, and they'd say, Hey dad, I, you know, uh, I got a date tonight, I need 10 bucks in the car keys, whatever. Um, and, and they'd say, Hey dad. And, and I'd slowly look up at them and my kids, cause they know me would go, wait, <laughs> <laughs> slow down, come to center. And then I can respond to you with a combination of both energies. Right. The thing that the, ego must have that the soul does not have is free will and free will belongs to the ego because the whole motivation i think to creating at all there was a say let's take an arbitrary point in the cycle as i think about it that was all energy and no matter so there was just energy sitting in the void. Just bliss, essentially. Bliss, peaceful, love. Love is oneness. Yeah. Pure not divinity. sexual love, not romantic no, love. No, 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 just that. But, but yeah. agape um, is, is love as the oneness. And that's great. And the universe is a peace. But only for so many eons of existence. And then pretty soon the universe itself is going... Right, <laughs> and, it's uh, gone. and it goes hello, but nobody answers because it's sitting in the void. And so those feelings, I think, are very primal, which are boredom and loneliness, uh, primal to the motivation for creation. So when they, I feel that, when the energy feels that, when we all feel that as one, the one becomes two. In the East, they call that yin and yang. In the West, they call it light and dark. Same idea. The universe polarizes, and the one becomes two. That's less boring and that's less lonely. And when the one says, hello, the other one goes, how you doing? And that's good. Right. right? And it says right. in the Christian Bible, even, you know, that God smiled. He was happy with that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, but two's not enough. And pretty soon the two are going, well, I'm sick of looking at you. I'm sick of looking at you. <laughs> They're sitting on the curb together. There's just with no to new do. information. There's two's no not new. enough. Yeah. So at that thought, I think two's not enough. The two becomes two quadrillion, what we call the Big Bang. Oh. And so now there's enough pieces spread across enough space that we shouldn't get bored and we shouldn't get lonely. Incredible amount of dynamics. But there's a new problem. And the new problem is, and we talked about this briefly earlier, that if the quadrillion pieces that we've broken into don't have free will, then the whole thing is a big dollhouse and it will get bored and lonely again. Yes, and they used to like you're We're playing a again. video game. <laughs> right. It's fake. It's too artificial. You can't play with Barbie and Ken indefinitely and right. not get lonely. <laughs> They're not enough. So the pieces have to have free will. Done. And free will means on some levels that 
that the energy, w- w- although it could, will not interfere in a way that, that takes away free will. So, so if I go to the energy and I say, are you love? Absolutely. I say, um, are you eternal? Absolutely. Can you turn energy into matter at the speed of thought? Absolutely. I say, good. Could you feed this little girl? She's and starving to death. Right. <laughs> and uh and you can make that happen. So I don't understand why we're not making that happen. And so the energy says, Yeah, at the speed of thought, I can make a billion worlds full of her favorite food. Um, that's not a problem. But I'm not gonna do that. And I go, Yeah, why not? <laughs> because because <laughs> the earth is a school and I can't mess with free will. So I can't just arbitrarily feed her. He said, but you could. You have free will. He said, so if you're concerned about her starving, why don't you give her half of that Big Mac you're eating? You know? Right, exactly. <laughs> and, and I go, this Big Mac? No, this is my Big Mac. <laughs> and God says, exactly. That's why she's starving. <laughs> and there's other bonuses, like learning about far starvation and appreciating food in the long run. The the deliciousness, the appreciation of food in heaven partly depends, there's other factors, but partly depends on you understanding what it's like to starve. Like having a immortal, invulnerable arms will bring you pleasure as long as you know what it's like to have a broken arm. They sort right. of exist on the same continuum. So, so the energy says to me, continuing this conversation, I can... I can uh, talk to you all day about what a broken arm is like, but check this out. And he goes, snap. <laughs> you know, my arm like, wow, God damn it. <laughs> he goes, ah, see, you know. a feeling is worth a million words. <laughs> right? But have we... So your experience and her experience and each of your experiences contributes to our growth and our appreciation and what we're learning. It doesn't make the painful things not hurt. They're horrible and they do hurt, like starvation, for example. But have we... Uh, existed in that spectrum of experience long enough as humans yeah i've asked that when is enough enough (laughs) and god laughs and says say in a moment i'll let you know (laughs) so i don't know if i have one lifetime to go or ten thousand lifetimes to go on this journey of education but 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 the, the universe will let me know. He said, it'll be clear when you get there. But you really should be focusing on how you act and think and be in the present. Right. Because that's where your power is. And that's where your free will is. And that's where everything really is. The future and the past only exist in our minds. But um, do you think angels are something that, that we should be aspiring to be? Like we're looking at these angels, these angelic beings, these archangels as role models where we could say, we have the potential to evolve and, and, and correct ourselves in such a way that we can raise our frequency to exist in that same bandwidth as the angels. That's the road we're on. We're heading in that direction. It's not like, again, the Archangel's training manual, all Archangel was a metaphor. Right. So, so are, are we turning into those beings and those beings exist? Well, any beings exist. When my kids asked me if Santa Claus is real, <laughs> I, I say, we had this, we laughed about this conversation over their whole lives, they're all adults now, but I say, is the concept of Santa Claus real? Because anything there's an idea of, the energy can create whenever it wants to. Right. So will Santa Claus in the flesh be at our house this year? The answer is always maybe. 
<laughs> right, because the concept is real. Yeah, the concept's real, and right. if the energy decides that makes sense, it'll it'll happen. But do you yeah. think personally that we should uh, kind of use angels in that uh, way of thinking as role model type situations where we're aspiring to exist in that way? I think you. I think we know, and it's hard in today's politics. The last five. I just years, try to get away. But from I that. think we know. <laughs> what our ideals are. Yeah. I just like, I think insight is very cheap. If you're a psychologist, you learn that insight <laughs> is easy to get and also doesn't change behavior. Right. Because how we act is not based on our insight. The proof's I, in the pudding. I, when we do things impulsively, habitually, uh, learned wise, reactively, uh, instinctually, all those behaviors have nothing to do with free will. <laughs> we get held responsible for those things or accountable at least. But responsible means the ability to have a choice. And I don't think in a lot of those things we do. So why does the guy who, say, promises monogamy uh, have an affair with the secretary? And, and Well, if you didn't think that was a good idea, you wouldn't have done it, uh, is, I think, bullshit. Yeah, because it's think, a, it doesn't think, address no, the idea and choice had nothing to do with that. Right. There was <laughs> he promised something he couldn't promise. Because you can't promise to control something that you can't control. Right. That doesn't totally let him off the hook. And we have to be real with our accountability and what our commitments are. Sure. But gaining that free will. If you are grounded, for example, if you're what I call grounded, centered, relaxed, focused, feet on the ground, in touch with both the soul and the ego, you're like at the center of a, a bicycle tire. You have a hundred spokes to choose from. You have closer to what I would call free will about your next movement. But if you're not grounded, if you're reacting, you're in a spoke. And when you're in a spoke, you have almost no choice at all. So so I do a lot of anger management work, for example. Somebody loses their temper and then does things that I believe they're accountable for because that's the way our system works. If you throw the chair through the window, you're paying for the window. But not responsible for it all. That's what losing your temper means. Right. Yeah, we He's still blame those people. Oh, you must think it's okay to do that because you did it. But that's bullshit. The truth is out of control. And I and I couldn't promise total control of that if I wanted to. Right. And there's always, as you're saying, as a psychologist, these underlying levels of information which contribute. All to kinds this. of stuff. I'm sure you've seen it all. You in say your behavior practice. is overdetermined. So there's a pile of variables only some of which would make a behavior happen that are all true yeah so, you can go on forever about very about, about the variables that are why did i do that well well i would say that that type of thinking is the road to forgiveness which is another uh step towards a united what kind of thinking that i accept yes that, that i don't control that yes that you can that yes, yes but you can apply that to other, other people as well when you have situations sure. that maybe you felt like you were slighted by that you can and when we intervene with our kids with people at the fair wherever i work with misbehavior it's all about accountability and resolution it's not about blaming right it's not about like just get it fixed responsibility think of it literally as the ability to respond the ability the ability to apply my free will to a moment right which if i'm getting excited say is only good for so long you know, as, as a as a uh, counselor, I worked with in a drug abuse treatment business, and she said, um, 
willpower works on addiction the way it works on diarrhea. You know, you can only hold it for so long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have to, it's hard. So treatment ha- has to be more than just willpower. Right. I, be strong. Don't do that anymore. You know, just say no. It's you possible know. for very few, but it takes so much discipline. To or for a while or within yeah. a certain frame. But when you get out of that frame, you're not going to have that control. Other things have got to change. So what other things do you think that people should be aware of that could help them change their frequency to such a way where they're more receptive to people, where they're more open and they're growing? Like what what are some of the things that mainstream society has taught us that's maybe holding us back that, that, that we can change in our daily lives? Like if you have some of this awareness that you're in Archangel training or, or spirit on a journey, then there's really no difference. The boundary between me and this chair, say, is arbitrary. The actuality, there's no boundary at all. It's just a quantum field, and I'm part of it. So the chair is part of me, and I'm part of the chair. And when I let myself see things that way, so I, I sometimes call that soul part of me that my, um, my um, Obi-Wan self. So there's Zach and there's Obi-Wan Zach. And Zach is the ego with the free will and the passion and the, and the feelings and the matter. And, the, and, and Obi-Wan Zach is the light and the love and the energy. The, and the higher wisdom. self. Well, what some call their higher self. Sure. And, and, and I have both and they have to work together. So my higher self can see the connection between me and the chair. So my daughter says to me, how do I get in touch with my Obi-Wan self? And I say, look at this tree. And she goes, yeah tree and i go okay now close your eyes you're one with the universe you're 14 billion years old you're love and you're connected and your energy uh and when you feel that open your eyes and look at the tree and she says oh hello tree <laughs> <laughs> and then she says it's like doing acid <laughs> i said yeah but you didn't need a chemical to get there you just needed to close your eyes for a second and let your let your being go there yeah and then there it was. So each moment of your day, again, how connected are you with what you're interacting with? How connected are you with that microphone in your hands? Besides just the technology. Sure, sure. You're speaking through it. But are you one with it? Right. It makes a perceptual difference. You treat it differently. Like the difference between, yeah, tree and, oh, hello, tree. Those are very different. But is it's it the a, same tree. Is it a paradigm issue at that point? Are you then with your mind instantly blocking out all of these pre-programmed paradigms and going back to the original divine paradigm of like, you well, were saying, a pre-programmed paradigm would be that the tree and you are different. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. And you go back to that original. No, paradigm. we're not different. Yeah. That's we're that. That's a, that's an illusion. And that's part of creation. And part of our school is, is to have that ego boundary that separates you from all things. I remember a uh, one Star Trek episode where where the, this being of light and gas became materialized as a person in the show, and the first thing it said when it materialized as a person, he says, "God, you're so alone. You're so separated from each other." <laughs> right. Because wow. here he was, you know, joining with the ether. I know Star Trek, Star Trek, but I love he, Star Trek. Here he was joining with the ether, and here he was with this clear boundary. That clear boundary is important to creation, as important as free will. The pieces have to act independent of each other and independent of the light. 
It's almost like a data node, right? You're like, you're one individual node of data. And then in order for you to have that individual experience, you have to be contained in a way. So yeah, it needs a show, a boundary. Yes. Um, You see, you, you, you see because you see what something's not. The way I can see the poster on that wall is that I recognize what's... I was talking to a friend, and he said, uh, um, you know I don't believe in God? I said, why not? And he said, because I can't see God. So I said, you know why you can't see God? And and he said, yeah, Zach, tell me why I can't see God. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> it's a great conversation. <laughs> and I said, because... The way we see things, the way our eyes and brains work is uh, based on boundaries. We feel and ground, figure and ground. So, so if the poster on the wall there is a figure, if I want to see the poster, then everything that's not the poster becomes ground. That's why you only see Volkswagens on the road when you buy a Volkswagen. Right. It's figure and ground. They were always there. It's always about the same. But it's what you see the boundary. I said, but the energy call it God, call it energy, call it your Obi-Wan self, whatever, that is inclusive. That is everywhere and everything all at once. So there's no ground. So ironically, you look around and all you see is God, but you can't see God at all because there's nothing that's not God. Right. And so, so so how do you bring that sort of awareness to each moment of your day? That's a good lesson. That's part of being in the school is to always have that those two, your ego and your soul, working together in a harmonic way. And there, there's that's a starting point. So you're getting yeah. in touch with your soul. You're figuring out that uh, light being aspect of yourself, being conscious of that, your conscious self, as some people talk uh, call it, and then bringing that into your everyday experience. So running around without that connection, I think, is the gate to hell. Oh man, that's painful because, and that's the first philosophy I studied when I was a philosophy major in my first couple of years undergraduate was hard existentialism, which doesn't easily hold up. It, it, it's, uh, uh, Kierkegaard, there's a bunch of guys that are hard existentialists, Camus, um, and, and what you see is what you get. It's all uh, flesh. It's all ego. You it's hard die, when you've you're had gone. There's any spiritual else. experience. It's hard to, to relate to that. Well, and also the whole thing's a downhill trip. You're going to get old and rot and die and, and that's food. the end. There's nothing else. <laughs> so the soft existentialists came from that, like Franco, like who survived the concentration camp. And he said, people who had some sense of meaning or spirit had a better survival rate. In those yes, camps. Victor Frankl. Uh, yeah. Victor Frankl. Yeah. The, the, the hard existentialists would just kill themselves. I mean, yeah. They're like, it's over. Nothing good to look forward to. Right. <laughs> Which is a sad it state. Is sad. It's sad. It's sad. And difficult. It implies that there's some disconnection with the spiritual side. But as we uh, get connected more with our ego, as we incorporate that, uh, dualistic yeah. experience, so thing. then w- what do we do? We become leaders. We become teachers. We help our fellow man get to that point as well. Is there, is there an impetus to do I that? I came to a point where I realized that everything I do, I don't care if I'm a psychologist or a plumber or a podcast host, everything I do has meaning on the level we're talking about. Right. And the lessons are there and the value is there. I just got to see it that way. Right. Um, and then I start to, be that in what I'm doing. 
and it will apply to any profession. And do you think it helps people as they're around your energy or just just doing it? Do you think that helps contribute to other people shifting in that way to, to help them align? Of course it does. Tell me about not that one to one and not not completely. And, you know, you someone's got to do their karma, their uneducated, what they still need to get an education for at their own rate. So some people would listen to this whole show or read the Archangel book or, or, or a hundred other transpersonal books that are equally good like that and get zero from it. You know, uh, my folks who I loved and they were, you know, they were mixed bag as parents, but they were World War II people. <laughs> I grew up in the 50s. And they were pretty hard existential. If I was I talking about the Archangel training manual to my dad, you know, he would cock his head and go, uh, <laughs> pineapple head, you know, <laughs> hippie, hippie logic, whatever. Right. It's just it, because they, it's unfortunate that generation of what their heart, they had existential realities to deal with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all about willpower, you know, and that's how we took Okinawa. You know? <laughs> like, right. Whatever. We could do anything. But <laughs> the thing is, is that, uh, you know, that integration it changes you as a person and then your frequency shifts and then you're resonating a certain frequency that then it's, and it's nice to know that that light that you are can actually arbitrarily do anything. So yes. it's not stuck. It can, it can change this, change the material reality anytime it wants to, as long as it doesn't break the rule of not interfering with free will. So that's part of the school of life though. That's the goal of the school of life is to get to that point where you've integrated those things and more. What do you think the goal, like how, what's the graduation point is to have a life that we can distinguish your Jake and I'm Zach. So, and we act independent of each other so that we can share love and keep each other interested, keep things entertaining without causing fundamental harm. Or, or or being greedy or being jealous and learning how to function with free will and not be those things. That's part of our education. That's part of what matters a lot. So having our choices. So when I lived life. communally, for example, which I did for some years of my life, um, we would have, we, we, we learned from Buddha, our understanding, of course, that, that loving something is not the problem. Attachment is the problem. So we had things like I'd have a guitar or a t-shirt that I really liked. That was fine. But as soon as I grasped it, as soon as I got attached to that item, like I'm holding my guitar and, and, but suddenly somebody wanted to borrow it and I, yeah, like, not my, my favorite guitar. <laughs> as soon as I felt that the rule in the commune was give it away, break the attachment immediately. Wow. This is my favorite t-shirt. God damn it. I don't want it. Ah, shit. I'll take the shit off. It's yours now. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I mean, that's incredible virtue. As because if we live in the light, we have forever. When nothing's really lost, we can get that T-shirt. That little girl can have the food. You can have whatever you want. Um, it's only a very, in a very small and temporary and focused way that things are finite and we have to be sad when they go away. Right. Um, you know, when my father was dying, he said, he said, you know, hug me. Um, last time you're going to get to hug me. 
and I whispered in his ear, and I hugged him. For now, I'll be along in a minute. You know, save us a tea time. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we'll see you in five golf. minutes. Really, <laughs> I'll be there in a second. Yeah, because right. like, <laughs> like you said in your book, like when you're at the end, it's going to feel like it was life was moments. Like look at the moments. front of the car and see the endlessness of the road coming up. Look at the back of the car and see how fast things go away. Right. It's just like, the whole thing. I've read accounts, spiritual accounts, transpersonal books that that uh, would say, you know, when you get out of this, you're going to be amazed, A, that you thought it was a continuous reality, and B, that it took any time at all. The whole thing is going to feel like a 30-second dream. Yeah. and But you did point out in your book that that perspective, that level of awareness shouldn't detach you from caring about how things no, come No, you just care for a different reason. Yes, they couldn't. it's not just like, well, that's just how like it is. I'm loyal to my <laughs> wife, not because she's loyal to me, I believe she probably is, not because she deserves it, and not because it's, it's important on some other level, but only because I want loyalty to exist in the universe, and I'm the only example I could be sure of. Right. So if I stop doing it, I can't trust anybody. Right, so even though you see that layer of illusion, you don't want to be detached. So I have to, so to, to master that virtue becomes the value and, the, and my goal and my motivation in doing the moments of my day. <sighs> and this is all part of the archangel training. I mean, this is, as, this is essentially the training, you could say, of spiritual development as a human. Like, why are we here? Why are you here as a human? We're here, like you're saying, as a school of life. We're here to learn and develop. And all the things you're talking about seem to fall in sync with the great spiritual teachings of we the can't world. have the universe where we would all want it where everybody loved each other and, and acted right and took care of each other and still maintain free will unless we learn each how to do that on our own yes but will there be a point in your opinion in your perspective where we do get to that point as humans where we all gr not necessarily graduate from this dimension <laughs> like with death maybe but, we've but, already been there it's like that idea mm, in the yes. matrix that this is not the first time there was uh, a, a christ figure or this is not the first time it's things have been cycling forever right you think so about where is an arbitrary yeah. point where it all goes back to one and we're back to love and peace and then the same motivations start again in a certain amount of time we start to create and the created and the created pieces have to have free will and the free will pieces have to learn how to manage that in a way that's harmonious with the spirit. And, and, and have we been there before? Certainly possible. I don't know, but it, it seems like it. people have theorized. You think of the Aztecs oh, yeah. and the four worlds. And yeah, uh, people have talked about the Horus who lived a couple of thousand years before yes. Jesus and was the same kind of figure. Right. You know, how, how much do these cycles repeat? Hard to say. It's, it's really hard to say, but I will tell you this, the Hopi, I don't know if you've heard this before, but the Hopi, the native American tribe, the Hopi, yeah, uh, they recently, and when I say recently, it was like uh, probably seven or eight years ago, they sent a representative out, uh, and, uh, for, as a spokesman for the tribe. And they said in human history, previously we've blown ourselves up, you know, I'm ad lib or I'm uh, paraphrasing here. <laughs> yeah. And they, uh, we blow ourselves up four other times, but this time, four other times. <laughs> yeah, they say that four other times and, <laughs> That's right. uh, that we've had, 
yeah, incredible yeah. technology. Um, but uh, this time we chose the one, what they call the one heart path or the single heart path, where we are now at a new place that we've never been to before. We've passed the point previously where we blew ourselves up oh, wow. and we're now in a new place. I think it was around 2009. Cool. We're in a new place of just forward growth. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I want you to tell me what you think about this. I'm hoping that we can unite as a planet and come to that place where we're truly in love with each other and find that polarity out in the universe with other races that are less evolved. That maybe as we're out there as humans, this divine spark, this evolved being, we see these other humanoid souls. I kind of believe we can be, we'll find some further along and some not as far right. along. And then that's yeah. where the polarity exists. And yeah. then that way we don't have to do that on ourselves. No, <laughs> yeah. the, the learning all converges too. So we don't all right. have to learn exactly the same things because everything we learn contributes to the whole. Right. So I'm just hoping so, we can get there as humans, that we can truly have a united yeah. planet. I mean, this last five years, what I call the Trump years, have been very taxing for that, you know. You take something like racism, and look how deeply set that is. It's unfortunate. And how hard a fight there is to resolve that. And there's other things like that. And that's the power of paradox. So, so we're not done yet. You and I might sit here and immediately agree that all creatures should be treated with equal respect. And it may be not even just humans, but all creatures. Right. And uh, But getting every ego to that place of development. Ten billion egos. Fuck. <laughs> right. So we're not done. <laughs> but uh, just doing the personal work, and this is something I want to tell people, is that just doing this personal work that we're talking about, that helps further that mission along. Absolutely. It just, every little bit helps. Yes. Even and when I check with my Obi-Wan self, he says, actually, you can only go forward. Yes. So everything's evolving. You can't waste time or lose time or go backwards. So even mistakes, everything is have value. The education, yeah. Wow. Let's let's think about that for a second. You can only for, go forward. You can't go backwards. So people may think that they made mistakes. They hurt someone. They maybe they made a bad investment. Who knows where their mistakes? Anything lie. in your past, anything from this moment right now back. All that you can do with that, I think, is learn from and grow. What did you learn? How did you grow? How are you different now? That's all that light cares about. It's not what you did yesterday, but who you turned into. What'd you learn from it? Right. Are you doing the same thing are that you, you were doing before? Are you still stuck in that pattern or are you out of it? <laughs> <laughs> but humans were, were kind of, I could say collectively, I love to address ourselves co collectively because I truly believe, like you talk about in your book, that we are all one. That to me is the most fundamental understanding. Yeah, ultimately true. So, so I tr I like to talk about humans collectively, but so can we get there collectively? Can so we? I used to think of trying that that the Obi Wan part of me is is what I wanted to grow into, just being that because uh -huh. that's the wisest, most loving part sure, of me. Sure, sure, yeah. But late, more lately, I've thought. No, it's to create harmony between the ego and the soul. It's there's a reason that we're separate. And right. our egos count too. And a healthy ego maybe follows the suggestion of the soul, but it's the ego's choice. And so to evolve to that place where they're working well together. That's really where it's at. You know, the balance. If I talked to the Obi-Wan stuff, he'd be a breatharian, you know, <laughs> but I'm still eating a range of foods. Right. You know? <laughs> but my ego being matter and flesh and passion can do that. You know, I can, can farm or hunt or whatever. Right. My my soul goes, 
Uh, and so we're learning how to work together because both are, it, as it turns out, matter. Both are important. Right. Otherwise, they wouldn't be there. They Everything has there. a purpose. That, the separation, the boundary, our egos, that and you, which is Jake, and that and me, which is Zach, that was part of the point of the whole creation is to have us be able to work to keep each other company and keep each other interested and, right. and, and interact. Uh, we each having free will, free of the will of the other, free of the will of the light. Just do whatever you want. Oh, so learning how to use that power correctly is a way of describing the whole curriculum. That's what we're doing. It's, and that also falls into the teachings of the magical realm where people talk about magic and what magic is and, and, and getting in control of that energy. What do you describe magic as? Uh, how would you define the true magic? It's like we said earlier, I, energy, the quanta, that I remember are conscious, and that's a hard concept to, to take in for some people, for sure, for most of us. Uh, but the quanta are conscious. And what, uh, what, uh, uh, Autobiography Yogi say he described as um, um, causal beings can turn energy to matter at the speed of thought. Right. And that doesn't require a natural science or, or, or stuff we can necessarily explain. So when, in my earlier example, when, when the universe said to me, look, I can make a billion planets full of her favorite foods at the speed of thought. That's magic. Um, because it can just happen by the will of the universe. Um, and that's, that's not governed by the same rules that govern our reality of egos of who we are it, on the planet. Is part of our evolution then getting more control of our willpower in order to use that magical Absolutely. energy and focusing your will is what any meditation is about. Yes. Those are focus activities. You know, visualizing yourself on a higher plane to me is not meditation. It's it's a visualization. Also has value, but it's different. Meditation is just can you hold your mind on one thing, and when you can, when your focus becomes perfect, you get closer to a causal ability to to changing. If I want to, um, I don't know, an an orange in my hand, the energy around my hand can become an orange. But making that happen without growing an orange tree, that would be magic. Yes. Um, but it is can possible. Can some people on this planet do it? I, I believe so. I think so, too. I mean, I was watching a, a documentary on uh, uh, a sect of uh, Tibetan Buddhist uh, monks, and they were doing the trivia shit from, from levitation to sitting naked in the freezing snow and staying warm to, you know, managing their will and their energy to to use that love and use that light and do magic what we would call magic and i'm sitting watching with my wife who was raised rural oregon and and and, and she's great we've been together 40 years but she um she's watching this this movie on the tibetan buddhist and she's going god you know these are really nice people <laughs> I said, yeah, they're the nicest. Like, you know, their God is Amitabha. Their God is love. Their God is oneness. I mean, you're not going to meet anybody nicer than, right. than, than what they teach uh, and, and practice. And then they get yeah. access to this other la and then they layer can, of reality. Yeah, don't you uh, find that in yourself that you can get more yes. magical if you get yourself higher? I think every uh, spiritual teacher has told us that. 
you know, run sure. run the gamut. Sure. But I whenever I've done magic, it's always been with the clause with the writer that says if this is gonna do any harm if it works, like if I'm gonna move a cloud, you know, if, if moving that cloud's gonna do some harm, I'd rather the magic didn't happen. Yeah. Right. I, I think it's Chief Dan George and Little Big Man going trying to die and then waking up and sitting up and going, Sometimes the magic works. Sometimes, <laughs> Sometimes it does. It does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But you know, this is part of humans' evolution that we're talking about so many things, which is so powerful. And I really appreciate you being so generous with your energy. But as we evolve as humans, I think we're going to incorporate these abilities, right? This is like the new human and the new earth. What do you think of this new earth concept? When I check with that part of me, he says, and we all have that same yes, part. Yes, yes, yes. They're one. And he says, of course, more ability comes with more, more skill and more education. Which is more fun. Let's just say that. <laughs> well, and you won't do as much harm. Like, I don't yes. want to be a causal being today. God only knows what would pop like, up. Like you were saying, yeah. I could destroy things. In a but as second. you evolve. But as you evolve, you can get to a place where, where being able to do that becomes more plausible, becomes better wow. work. But you have to think of the control, the groundedness I would need to be able to produce that orange in my hand and have nothing bad come of that the love and connection I'd have to feel, the wisdom I'd have to feel, the skill I'd have to have at focus so that I trusted myself to even do that. I mean, we're just learning. Um, do we have that place to grow to? I think so. It's amazing to think about that we have that potential coming. Uh, one thing I did want to ask you, and you do talk about it in your book, is the importance of goal achievement in the spiritually productive life. I think this is something that uh, a lot of spiritual people take for granted, to be honest, because they feel that if they're spiritually developed, they're have a great relationship with their mysterious. Yeah. And then they're have enough material uh, situations to survive that, that that's enough, that that's enough. They hit a plateau of development. There's no more reason to grow or develop because got a great relationship with God. They got a few things. Their bills are paid. Not bad. Not it's bad. It's almost like a humanistic goal of self-actualization. Right. All my needs are physical needs are met. I'm acting in a generally moral way. I'm you know, right. sure. But as we hit these development levels, should we then shift and say, no, we need There's to always more to learn. Bigger goals. What's the next? That, what's my karma? What's the next lesson? And that are rooted in service and as that, well. And that what I already achieved becomes a base. Right. That allows me to go to the next place. So is goal achievement then very important for a spiritually productive person? At any person? given time, I think, in our development across a million lifetimes, you know, what's the next step? What are our long-term goals? What are our short-term goals? What are our action plans? What are we doing this afternoon? That fits that chain. So, so a short-term goal by itself won't move you, but if you have a short-term goal, then action plan, how are we going to make that happen? How are we going to try that? And then how does that fit into my activity list today? And then if I do something about that, if I take that next step, side issue, I tend to experience that as an antidepressant. Yes. But if I make that whole plan and then don't do it, 
the same chain can be a depressant. Oh, it could be even worse because then you feel like a, a uh, failure that can't complete anything. anything. What but, are you getting to? No place. But yeah. it is important if you're able-bodied and able-mind to have these service-related goals as you develop as a human being. Sure. To utilize your talents, whatever your wherever your talents lie, to keep giving back, to keep moving this thing forward. Yeah. I think some spiritual people can get complacent. Like but, it's something I've I've done across my career. Now I got to make some money in my situation to support the house, support the family, sure, sure, whatever. Sure. Yeah. But I have never in my entire practice from the beginning, which started in the early seventies, but licensed independent from the early eighties, um, never have I not seen one because of money. Right. So nobody, an insurance company can only tell me whether they'll pay for it or not. They can't tell me I can't see the person. Right. So, so you've always. We can meet and talk, and if we can't cover it with, with a third-party payment or whatever, it's a sliding scale. Pay it whatever you can. Right, and that's a beautiful practice, and that's how you give back in your Sure, and world. materially, it's enough. I've supported my family. I can pay my bills. You know, sure. Okay, and I got to do that. To some degree, but I've never said to someone, I won't work with you because of money. Right. I, I do that. And that's, that's comes from my, and if I look at my Obi-Wan self, he goes, that's a good policy. And it's important <laughs> to keep growing. Though, it's not keep, to you, but that's a good policy. It's to keep developing, to keep yes. reading, to keep learning like that. That's, you can't just stop. As that soon part as you it? stop remembering, you're starting to forget. Oh, damn. And if you, <laughs> and if you forget. <laughs> Then you got to do it again. So how many times you go on and go around this block? You know? We were watching a movie last night. I mean, there's examples all over the place, but it was uh, Mutiny on the Bounty. Uh, Mel Gibson, uh, Anthony uh, uh, um, version of Mutiny on the Bounty. Okay. And the sailors are, for fun, sitting on the deck taking pot shots at dolphins. Well, Jeff Reed, son of the cyclone, do you know anything about dolphin intelligence? I mean, they are higher creatures yes. than we are. I, I, so actually, my last guest says that and Shooting at are them for fun? Humans. I mean, what kind of you, what are you doing? You know, it's atrocious behavior. And then you say, well, how close are we to the end? I say, well, we got a ways to go if we're still doing shit like that. <sighs> it's hard to, yeah, our last guest actually uh, believed that we evolved out of the ocean and that dolphins are actually humans that stayed they, they in the stayed. ocean. Right, right. Yes. Right, right. But that longer, bigger brains, they do trippy shit. I had a, a doctoral partner who, who went one Christmas um, on a trip to swim with dolphins in Florida. Never came back. <laughs> she she spent her, the rest of her professional career, as far as I know, working, working with, with dolphins. dolphins. Oh yeah. my gosh! She's learning from dolphins. <laughs> you know? Wow! Because they think they have now. They're on an edge, as far as they can tell. At least what I read in dolphin research of not having fully substantiated egos. So it's not so important to them whether the one dolphin stays alive. They think more specially. Right. So they're more at one with the species. So they'll do what's best for the species. Yeah. Not so much they're concerned about living longer than you, that dolphin. No, he's thinking what's good for the group. What's good for the tribe. Yeah, they're naturally socialistic, which half of this country doesn't believe in. <laughs> it's hard to say because, look, I, I don't do anything political in, uh, in my mm -hmm. life but because it's there's so much judgment there. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's so hard for people to not get caught up in believing that because somebody thinks a certain way that they're somehow identified 
with this group. How many people in our society right now, winning or losing by their standards, are playing king of the mountain? You know, competing with each other for who gets the most money. Yeah, and it scales up. I mean, oh, God. (laughs) You know? So, you know, that's my whole problem with... uh, uh, I'm basically, I would describe myself as a social democrat and a progressive, as you might have guessed. But I... But I... I don't, you know, the solution offered is, you know, tax the rich and spread the wealth, and which I think is a great idea. But good luck getting money out of a billionaire. Right. And so it's, whatever you do to the laws or the rules or the taxes or whatever, there's ways around it. They'll pay somebody half the amount of money to find the loopholes. As long as they, as, yeah, so it's all about that. But people I've worked with who are wealthy at that level. And they're not all bad people by any stretch. No, strategy. not even close. Um, um, to learn that they have value, to read the Archangel Training Manual or a book like it, to to push them to get that as the value of their existence, not the amount of dollars in the bank. Right. They find some of them extremely rewarding and attractive. They think it's great to have a center that's not based on that. Yeah, and you know, it's really... Sometimes you have to look at things from the other perspective because I've learned that both people are right. Everyone's right from their perspective and they have to True enough. learn to see other people's perspective. And then so when you validate, if you and I sit in this room and somebody sees you later and say, what's sex office like? Actually, you don't know. And if you answer subjectively, you would say, here's what I saw when I was there. But what I saw is a map in my head. Yes. And the map in my head is half sensation and half projection. So everybody sitting there would have seen the room different. Yeah. They all have their own Which maps. one's the most real? Well, that's not a, not a useful question, Amen. Right. But to validate someone is that everything you feel and do will always make a kind of sense based on your maps. If I take your behavior and I stick it into my maps, it may not make any sense at all. Yeah, that was crazy. But if I but if I understand your maps and go, oh, I get it. You did that because you saw things this way. That's called validation. When you validate someone, that's what you're doing. You don't have to agree. You don't have to see it the same way. And if we all validated each other, we that would be help. at odds with each other. I think that that's to some degree. And part of goodwill is understanding that each person's a hero in their own movie. That seeing them as a good person trying to do something good. Almost everyone describes themselves that way. (laughs) Well, Zach, I mean, we've had an incredible conversation. There's so much that we can talk about. You know, we'll have you back if you let us, you know, I'd love to come back and do this again sometime. Oh, we've had an incredible conversation. It's going to influence people all over the world for a a really long time. Dude, I love you, man. You're incredible. Well, we're similar frequency humans. We matched each other's frequency and here we are. Okay. And, but one thing I want to ask you before we go, one more awesome question, incredible thing. What do you think of the Bodhisattva concept where we talk about the school of life? Yeah, I struggle with it. You talk about graduation. To me, Bodhisattva is a, my dedicating myself to stay until the whole planet gets there. Correct. Yes. And, and, and sometimes I, I think that's a noble idea. Yes. And sometimes I think, I'm getting the hell out of here. 
<laughs> it just depends on what I'm experiencing that day. <laughs> well, sometimes you might need a break. You're like, can I just go to Regulon 9 oh for like God. two lifetimes? I don't want to live in this greed or this racism <laughs> or this sexism or this the stuff right. that's going on here. And it ain't going to fix overnight. But it's up to us to change it, I guess. And, and, I guess that's the deal. It's up to us to change it? Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess so. And I think there's evolution. I have, I have trust that it's evolving, <laughs> that eventually it'll get there. But do I want to stay for the whole movie? I don't know. <laughs> well, your voice is now recorded forever. I respect Vody's Hotfist. I, I, I love it. <sighs> but it's a, it's a hard uh, it's a hard, hard thing to I, dedicate I, myself to. I oh, think God. they're out there. But if you think about how we're loving people and how we're spiritual people and we truly have a relationship with the divine that... Every time it seems like once we get there, we're going to be like, yeah, I guess we'll go back. Cause it's, cause like you said, it feels like five minutes. You're like, what's another five minutes? What's and, another? <laughs> and every, every Bodhisattva, every, every person trans on a per, transpersonal mission, which I think on one level we all are, whether we believe it or not, um, whether our ego believes it or not, we're all learning and we're all one. So in the long run, whether you, went on with your path and came back uh, or whether you dedicated yourself to Bodhisattva and stayed, it's not going to matter. Right. Cause it's still part of the, yeah, we the all perfect learned, path. We'll all love each other in the end. And as Ram Tass says, as he's quoting his guru, uh, Neem Karoli, you know, everything's perfect. So yeah. What's the problem? Yeah. <laughs> well, Zach, thank you so much for being here. You know, I want to tell people where to find you. Of course you have a radio show, which is on 97. I had, I, I don't know. It, it was on, yeah, it was on. Oh, it's not anymore. Well, I haven't made one in a while. So it's okay. not that they wouldn't welcome me back or I w might not do more shows later, but I did about 30 of them. Which are on your website. That are on the website. So let's tell people where to find your website. It is D-Y-N skills right d-y-n-s-k-i-l-l-s.com yes. and there you can find his books changing anger an archangel training manual which i highly recommend i haven't read the other two books yet so those I, are more those are more skill development concept development so training yourself mechanically and what are the mechanics of a little less esoteric anger, not as esoteric <laughs> okay. but you know changing anger Archangel Training Manual, Effective Humanistic Intervention. You know, check out those books. And on his website, even though he's not recording episodes now, there are the previous recordings. You can yeah. go there and listen to those. For sure. And learn something from it. Zach, thank you so much for being here. I well, really appreciate it. Thank you, Jake. Is this is fun. Is there anything you want to leave people with before we go? 105 countries around the world. I say if you can get a hold of this kind of motivation that, that your life's about learning, hang on to it and feed it. You have to focus it every day. The tricky thing about the earth, or well, one of the tricky things about the earth I find is that as soon as you're not remembering, you're forgetting. <laughs> so, and if you get lost in the drama, then you forget your mission and you, and you lose your center. And that affects your ability to have free will or to have the love. So you have to consciously work at keeping it alive. Well, that's a beautiful statement, Zach. Thank you so much. Hold on here through the outro music and everyone. Incredible discussion. I hope you learned something from that. I know I did. We'll see you next week. Midnight on Earth. <laughs>